when God created Adam and Eve, human beings were made to talk to God, to talk with God. You know, among all the things that he made, among all the creatures that he made, that's unique to humans, uniquely designed to hear him, to understand him, to speak to him, in a word, to relate to him. That's a unique thing about people. And in the garden, there was only one way of life. God was God. People served as his stewards on the earth, listening, obeying, and ruling the creation under him as his subjects. That was the way, one way. And it was very good. It's good design, good plan. And then there came to be two ways. There was one way. And then there was two. Instead of listening to God's voice, instead of obeying, instead of serving under him as stewards, people caught Satan's voice. Adam and Eve listened to Satan's voice, followed where he led into the way of death. And then there were two ways. And it's of these two ways that we're going to speak to get, speak today. Uh, in a way, this is our only theme. This is the only thing we ever talk about. In a way, you could say this is the only thing Christians ever talk about. Uh, we cast it in different ways. We see it from different angles. But it is the theme of God's people throughout time because it is the unique message he has given to us. Uh, and since we have baptisms today, it seems fitting that we speak about the way into which these young ones are being baptized. This is the way they're going to be living in and growing in. It's our way. Sometime long, long ago, sometime in the early second century, we don't know exactly, a handbook for pastors was circulated first in the churches of Syria and then into Persia. It's called the Didache. The first sentence of this handbook is this. There are but two ways, one of life and one of death. But a great difference between the two ways. The way of life then is this. You shall love God who made you and your neighbor as yourself. As, as it goes on, this handbook, uh, it, we find that it's the teaching of Jesus as they are describing the way of life. It's the teaching of Jesus, quoting him frequently, especially the Sermon on the Mount, which we've been looking at a bit. It also echoes James. It echoes Hebrews. There's a bit of Paul that pops in there. And then coming to the way of death, it summarizes this way. The way of death is this. It is evil and full of the curse. It's very concise. It's evil, full of the curse. And as it goes on, it, it's much more brief about the way of death than the way of life. Uh, we find that it echoes Deuteronomy a lot. In fact, in relating 
the two ways, this ancient pastoral handbook is basically reiterating what God had communicated from the beginning and continued to communicate as he related to people. But they're doing so on the other side of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And so they could see a mystery unveiled. So what did those early Christians see? That's a question we should ask. We should all be historians. Christians should be historians. What did they know that enabled them to go singing to their deaths when we cringe in fear about a snide comment? Are we forgetting something? What is it? What is it about the two ways? Our text today from Deuteronomy that Alyssa read for us. It's the touchstone for the two ways. Deuteronomy 30, 15. Please look, because we're going to be there for a few moments. Deuteronomy 30, 15. Moses tells the people what God has told him. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. When he says, I have set before you, he means he's laid out, he has presented, he, he's offered two options. You know, this may be the most foundational of metaphors. So it's presented as two ways of walking, two, two pathways, two roads, roads or paths that lead to different ends, different outcomes. And they have, these paths have different experiences that are associated with them as we head to those outcomes. But they're metaphors as well. They're metaphors, they're the metaphor for two different ways of being. That is, two different ways of existing in the world. Moses goes on, he uncovers the meaning here, verses 16 to 18. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I'm commanding you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways and observing his commandments, decrees and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but you're led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. So there they are. They're outside Canaan. They're out, this is the, outside the promised land. Deuteronomy is Moses recounting the journey that they have come to, to reach that point. Their journeys with God, how he gave them the law. And Moses is recounting and he tells the law again. Deuteronomy means second telling of the law. And so there they are. The two ways for them still included both parts of the metaphor. It still included the the. the the surface level, the lived experience. This is what Paul explains, that the time of the Old Covenant was, uh, it was like a primary school. 
You know, when you're doing primary education, you, everything's very tactile. Um, you're, you're not in abstractions. It's, it's got to be physical. So God used physical presence, physical experience, uh, physical discipline, elementary instruction in order to communicate these spiritual realities to a very stubborn people. Very, he, he called them stubborn again and again and again. Because, so here, they literally had two paths. Obey God and go into Canaan. Go into the promised land. Or turn back to wandering, turn back to Egypt. Go the other way. But now the Lord opens the metaphor. Following him as they have done. In that physical, outward, obvious level following him in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, going where he goes, doing what he tells them to do. That was training in his way. It was training in how to follow him. So that way of being with God, listening to God, he's saying that's the way of blessing being with him, listening to him, obeying what he says to do, that is blessing. What is blessing? We use that word a lot. We pray it. Blessing. The word itself is a picture. We're talking the, the Hebrew word. It's, the, it's a word picture. It's the picture of a man kneeling before God in humble adoration. So on the man's part is worship, is adoration. And on God's part, it's God with his hands upon the head of the man speaking a word of life, a word of benediction, a, a good word, is speaking a good word over the man. Moses says, and that word when God speaks a word, a, a good word, it brings about what he intends. It brings about life. Moses says, if you obey the Lord by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways and doing what he says is good for you to do, then you will find yourself kneeling before him. To do those things is to kneel before God, is to take that posture And he is speaking life over you. And all will be well in the land he's giving you. This is what we were made for. Back to the garden. We were made for blessing. To kneel before God, to have his hands on our head and him speaking over us. And God tells them, as they stand outside of Canaan, stubborn as they have been, he tells them it is his desire to reconcile with them, to be speaking blessing for them, for that posture, the design to be restored, not just individually, but as a whole people. The curse is very simple. Moses lays out the way of death very simply. If your heart turns away and you do not hear. If your heart turns away, 
and you do not hear. It's not that good and evil were, were locked in this cosmic struggle with an uncertain outcome, that evil was just as strong as God, and uh, who knows who's going to win. It's not that we were given a choice between which God to serve, and that whichever God got the most numbers of, number of followers would tip the balance. The outcome, unknown. There is only one Lord, one Creator, and He made us for Himself. He made us to live in His blessing, to turn away from Him is death. If your heart turns away and you do not hear, if you will not come to the Lord for his benediction. If you will not kneel and let him sing over you, his desire to sing over you, but you turn elsewhere to some other voice that says, walk this way and you'll find life. There's life, life over here. Then you are being led astray. That's what he says, led astray. And there's no life where there's no life. Life is with God. There's no life where there's no life. Life flows from the voice of God, from the hands of God. So away from life, there is only death. The two ways. So Moses pleads, verses 19 and 20, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you. I have done it. I've presented to you life and death, blessings and curses. He had relayed at length these two outcomes. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live loving the Lord your God. He's defining living. Choose life so that you and may your descendants may live, which is loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days. There are only two ways. Life, death, blessing, and curse. Choose life. Unless we forget what he means, he says it again. Loving the Lord your God, obeying him, holding fast to him. Cling and adore, and he will set his hands on you and give you life. Even as these words were being spoken through the mouth of Moses on that day, even at that moment, it was going to be through Christ Jesus, the Son of God, that this blessing of restoration would be secured and accomplished. Israel as a whole nation, they were being called to receive blessing. They were being called to be a prophetic representative nation to all the nations. Set for the world to see but they failed to receive the blessing. The way of life, it was clearly, it was truly set before them, 
but the heart of the people turned away. We know the story. It's the story of much of the Old Testament. The heart of the people turned seeking life where only death could be found. And so it was and always had to be that it was in Christ that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, not counting their turning and turning and turning against them. So what Israel failed to attain, Paul tells us they failed to attain because of unrighteousness, Jesus has secured. I am the way, he said. I am the truth. I am the life. He wasn't, he wasn't just spouting off randomly when he said that. He's picking up what he had always said. I am the way. I am the life. I am truth. When he entered the water of baptism on behalf of Israel, and then as Israel, on behalf of all mankind, Jesus received the blessing. Again, remember this picture, that picture of what the word blessing means. As man, second Adam, Jesus kneels for us before the Father. And the Father, full of delight, beaming with joy, sets his hands, the Father sets his hands upon the head of the Son, the perfect man, and speaks the life-giving word. He says, you are my Son, the blessed. You are my Son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. He speaks the word of blessing on mankind in Christ. So friends, it, it is in Christ that we attain blessedness. It's in Christ that the design for human beings is restored. He's the second Adam. He's the fulfillment. Through his suffering, through his death, he dealt with the trespasses and sins. He sent them to the place where death is. He took them all the way to the place of death. And now he offers adoption, which we signify right there. He offers adoption to us. And when we accept his offering of forgiveness and we bow ourselves at his feet, we receive his spirit. And with his spirit, having his spirit, we're made one with Christ Jesus. He tells us, you will be in me. When I give you my spirit, you will be in me and I will be in you. We will be one as I and the Father are one. We'll be one. Paul writes to Corinth, you were washed. You were sanctified, made holy, cleansed. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. The effect is to take us from the place of death and curse 
to the place of life and blessing. Being in Christ. Being in Christ, Paul tells Ephesus, in him we have obtained an inheritance because he's the son who receives the inheritance. Being in him, we have it. After you heard the word of truth, the good news of your salvation, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And then he prays, Paul prays, that these people who are now in Christ would understand it. He says, he prays that the God would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of their understanding enlightened to know all the blessedness, all the benediction, all the good word, all the goodness and the life that flows from being in Christ. I hope you have the picture Jesus, our head, our representative, kneeling before the Father with the Father's hands on him, speaking life. We in Jesus receiving these words of blessing from the Father. Life, friends, being in Christ, we're in the way of life. There are only two ways, and we are in one, the way of blessing. The Son of God, the one the Father calls his beloved Son, everlastingly receives that unwavering, steadfast love of the Father. Favor unrestrained. And we're in him. So when the Father looks on you, it's the eternal reality that he sees you in Christ. Your sins are dealt with. This is such good news. God looks on you with the full light of his favor. Can the father frown at the son? So often we, we get these weird notions that the gracious God, our father, frowns on us, would wag his finger at us. Can the Father frown at the Son? Can the Father just wish the Son would do better? Just do a little better. Try harder. Obviously, no. You are in Christ. That's your identity. In Christ. You have that favor. All the favor that the Father has for the Son, you have. But although we've been made one with Christ by His grace, somehow we often seem to think He's like a, He turns businessman on us. Cranky businessman. We give Him behavior, good behavior, and He blesses. We're naughty, and He curses. We do what he likes, good things happen. That's paganism. We act like pagans with a petty God. We treat the almighty, gracious Father like a pagan God that you can make transactions with. 
We always have his favor and blessing. We always have it. It's held out for us. We don't always experience it. We don't experience it when we live and we act according to destructive things. When we embrace destruction, the Father's attitude towards us never changes because those things are dealt with. They're washed. We have been sanctified. We have been justified. It remains for us to work it out, but it's not that he is withholding. It's that we're feeding our souls on garbage. He never withholds. When we confess, it's to declare our freedom from those things. That's why we do it week to week. We are declaring we are free from those things. We speak them in order to reject them. To state the truth, that death no longer has dominion over us. This thing that I did does not have dominion over me. We state it. Though we, are, though we sin, we are not slaves to sin. We confess because sin is not fitting for us. We acknowledge that's not who I am. It does not belong with me. And we send it to the place of death, the cross. We acknowledge that's where it is. That's where it's dealt with. We are the beloved of God, and we reject Satan's accusations. Week to week, we reject his accusations. I hope you take this practice into your daily life. We reject his accusations. We reject his deception, his lie that we are under the curse. That's what he tells you when you sin. Oh, you thought you had life. See, you're under the curse. You're in Christ. You are not under the curse. We are not. So, this identity in Christ, as people in the way of life himself. We are in the way of life. As people with the hand of God's blessing on us, that is what we announce in baptism. As two more members of our kingdom, we declare their adoption. We are the people in Christ. And God gives us children that they too might walk in life that they might walk in newness of life, that they might walk in benediction, that they might walk in blessing. Amen. Lord, you have told us wonderful things. The gospel is life to us. We thank you that we stand in the way of life. We thank you that your hand rests on our head now. That there is blessing and that you sing blessing over us. And we speak back to you your praises. In Jesus' name.